It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. On this edition of Locked On Reds, Ellie De La Cruz is proving to be a generational talent that will lead the Reds to a championship one day, very soon. Also, why Michael Ciani and Matt McClain could be the next wave of talent that keeps building the next Big Red Machine. You are Locked On Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, who still remains on the indeterminate IL, hopefully getting him back here really soon. Send some good thoughts his way. Steve and I have both been addicts of the Cincinnati Reds for our entire lives, and we've podcasted going on to our fourth season about this Reds team. We've turned an addiction for the Reds into information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast. Dayton Dragons play-by-play man Tom Nichols joins the show to educate us on the generational talent that is Ellie De La Cruz, the next top 10 prospect for the Reds, Andrew Abbott, and why winning is an important part of player development in the minor leagues. Also, will Matt McClain be ready for the big leagues this year? It seems like he might be, but we'll jump into our conversation, starting with the big man himself, Ellie De La Cruz. Probably everybody's favorite uh, Reds prospect that's down in the minors at the moment, Ellie De La Cruz just absolutely blasted one that Day Air Ballpark couldn't hold. I know that uh, we were kind of talking about this off air a little bit, but it's quite the inning for home runs in that, that inning. Yeah, Tuesday night, the the first night that Joey Votto rehabbed with the Dragons, the team had Five home runs, um, three in one inning, and actually out homered the opposition five nothing, but still lost the game, which was disappointing. But uh, De La Cruz crushed one. I mean, it was I, the. I'll tell you this: this is true story. The track man did not even pick up the distance because the ball was literally so high, it went off the charts, and they could not measure the distance. Of course. Distances in minor league baseball are estimates anyway, based on launch angle and exit speed. And um, so they don't actually measure the distance. But in this case, 
they couldn't even get a distance. Uh, De La Cruz just crushed it. He's had uh, some home runs. He's had six now in a little over a month. So he's he's been a big power threat at the shortstop position. That's always good to see because that's not a position that you really expect that to come along. Of course, with De La Cruz, he's got every tool in the uh, tool belt that you can have as a prospect. <laughs> yeah, I think we uh, since we talked last, we actually did officially change his uh, height on the roster and we went to minor league baseball and had them change it on his uh, minor league baseball page from 62 to 65 it had been outdated for a while and so how now he's 65 i think 200 so uh that's more reflective of where he actually is it's been interesting to see all of the the wonderful play that he has. And that's good to note too, Joey Votto in the lineup. That means that everybody's going to be a little bit better. So hopefully getting him back here for the Toronto series coming up for the red legs. But when we're looking at some of the other guys that are moving through this system, we got to talk about the first dude to get promoted and going on up to double a Chattanooga. And that was Andrew Abbott, which I don't know. And, and probably a failure on my part, but I can't remember if we talked about first guy to get promoted, but I don't know that he would have been the guy that we would have pegged but he's been playing really well. Well, he was as good as any pitcher that's ever come through here, quite honestly. He was here for a, a pretty short time, 27 innings, and rarely challenged at all. And, and, and uh, did, he work, did he have to work out of jams to, to, to get through 27 innings with just two runs? Not really. Um, one of the two runs he gave up was on, was an inside-the-park home run that was not played well defensively, couldn't go as an error, but really had no business being a home run. We messed up the relay throw coming back in, and the ball just kind of trickled back in, and uh, it should never have been a home run. But uh, Abbott was just dominant. If he was a guy that threw 97, 98, you would be hearing all sorts of talk about him right now. Uh, as it stands, you're hearing a fair amount, but um, his fastball is average, about 93, and he's got a good slider. His third pitch is his changeup, which he's going to need to develop some to stay as a starter all the way. Um, but if you just go off of results, which I think oftentimes can be the first thing and, and most important thing, he was absolutely off the charts. Um, just dominant, fun to watch. You, you, you always had the feeling he was totally in command out there. You, you never felt like he was stressed, like, you know, in this count, I'm not sure he can throw a strike. Um, you always felt like whatever the count was or where he was in a, an inning, that he would find a way to get out of it. And we're glad to see him move to double A. And his first start in double A was more of the same. 12 strikeouts, no runs. That's about as much as I need to say right there, Jeffrey. 12 strikeouts, <laughs> yeah. no runs. In five and two thirds innings, that's always good to hear. That and and honestly, ninety three on the fastball. Tyler Malley has made a career out of that. And I think that if his secondary stuff, kind of like you said, you get that changeup roll, and then you're cooking with gas at that point. And one other dragon too, before we kind of expand out to the rest of the Reds farm system that has really stood out, obviously on the mound, is Joe Boyle. And talk about a little bit of a difference. You go from 93 miles an hour to the fireball fireballer that is Joe Boyle. What have you seen from him that's really impressed you? Well, he's a three-pitch fisher. He throws a, a slow curve. It's, um, boy, it is 
probably 20 miles slower, 20 miles an hour slower than his fastball. So it's, wow. it's a real difference in speed. It's in the seventies um, oftentimes and, or, or low eighties. And then he throws a hard slider that can range from 87 to 91. Some have called it a cutter um, depending on the amount of movement, but um, we're going to go with slider for now. And then his fastball um, is obviously is, is bread and butter. And, uh, you know, he's not one of those guys who just stands out there, Jeffrey, and throws fastball after fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you rarely see him, it seems, maybe to certain hitters, but for the most part, you rarely see him throw two fastballs in a row. And his fastball in the sixth inning last night was still at 98 miles an hour. So that, that was 95 pitches into the game for him, still at 98 miles an hour. A guy that's hit 100, 100 many times, and uh, not with us this year, though. I'll be accurate with you on that. He has mm-hmm. not hit 100 yet with us. The other thing, though, that also stands out that, that he would like to improve on is in 27 and two-thirds innings, he's given up 21 walks, way too many. But – the interesting thing about it is if you watch the games and don't look at the numbers in the box score, you would be surprised by that. that It's that many because there's no hits to move the guys along when they get on base. So they, they don't really get into a position where he's in a lot of trouble and stress and he doesn't really bunch the walks two, three in an inning. So it's just a consistent, one walk in the inning, it seems like, with, with an occasional inning where there aren't any. And that guy usually doesn't move past first base. Now, if he moved up to double A, he would probably be in a little more trouble. Um, I could see him staying here, even with those numbers, for a while because of the walks. Um, but uh, very interesting prospect. I don't know that there would be too many rankers who would have Boyle as high as Abbott right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Abbott would not be as high as, um, you know, Green, Lodolo, those kind of guys. Um, Graham Abbott is gonna, and all that. Yeah, Abbott's probably going to break into the top 10 on a lot of charts pretty quickly as, as they start to get updated. I just talked to J.J. Cooper, Baseball America, a couple of days ago, and he told me they're about to update their, their numbers their rankings. And he said, Abbott would move into the top 10. Um, And uh, so that's a guy that, you know, based on just results and performance, it's hard to argue with, especially when you take into account, he moved up to double a and did the same thing he was doing here. And that was gave up next to nothing with a ton of strikeouts. So we'll see how he he continues on. It'll be interesting to watch. Is Matt McLean ready for the bigs right now? And how does winning in the minor leagues affect a player's development for success with the Reds when he gets to the big league level? If you want to develop healthier habits, get a built bar. I'm not joking. We always compare them to candy bars and things like that. They don't compare. If you add built bar to your diet like I did, you're going to cut out some unhealthy snacks, but you're not really going to realize it because of the chocolate that it's covered in 100% real chocolate and the flavors that you get. It just kind of 
saps or snaps you out of the whole idea that you need to grab something that's sugary and unhealthy because it's going to satisfy your sweet tooth. Take it from me, a guy who likes his food. Those birthday cake puff built bars are phenomenal. Go check them out right now at built.com. Make sure you grab some because they're probably not going to be around for very long. As good as these things taste, they remind me of, I don't know if you ever remember those little Debbie Easter marshmallow puffs like there was just like a little cookie that was covered in icing and, and just stuffed with a marshmallow. Absolutely tasty. This is better and it's better for you. Talking about 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, only nine grams of sugar as well. This is the kind of treat that is going to satisfy your sweet tooth, but it's also going to fit right into your diet. If you incorporate Bilt Bar into your diet, you're going to see some changes. It's really helped me quite a bit when it comes to curbing that sweet tooth. Go to built.com today and use the promo code locked 15. You'll save 15% off your next order. Look, there's so many flavors that it's really hard to just pinpoint one. Go get you a mixed box and use that promo code to save 15% off your next order. That's built.com and the promo code is locked 15. Thank you for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from all of our local experts in under 30 minutes. There's no better way to go through an entire season of Major League Baseball than with the Locked On Now podcast, which is just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. Make sure you're following the podcast on your favorite platform and including YouTube. If this is your first time watching us, thank you very much. Make sure you're subscribed and you have your notifications turned on. That way you don't miss anything that we've got coming for you this season. Speaking of which, coming up on Friday's podcast, we'll wrap up this Ohio Cup. Will the Reds earn a split in the Ohio Cup? They're going to have to win today at 1 p.m., to do that, the rain postponed game that uh, this was supposed to be an off day for the Reds, but here we are finishing up the Ohio Cup. Speaking of the Reds, let's get back to our conversation with Tom Nichols as we dive into the idea of the strategy behind actually winning games as a player is developing. Kind of thinking about pitching, I want I want to get into a couple of prospects, including your take on Matt McClain here in a moment, but first I kind of wanted to talk about this philosophy because it's something that you and I and, and Steve have gotten the chance to talk about before, and that is the kind of development philosophy of pitchers like going 100% all of the time, every single throw is just all in. Have you seen that continue this season, or have you seen a little bit more of a let's measure our effort and let's not try to throw our arm out in three innings type deal? Good question. I I am not really ready to give you an answer. <laughs> okay. Too small um, sample size, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I will say if I've seen anything a little different this year, it might be a slight change in philosophy in terms of trying to be a little more aggressive to avoid walks deep in counts. In other words, let's say your face, there's two school of thoughts here. Okay. I'll give you a lot of what we saw last year and, and then what I've seen this year. Okay. So you get into it, let's say, 
and some of this relates to the fact that it's a developmental league. Obviously, all the minor leagues are developmental. You can take that to an extreme if you really want to. It, the, the managers and coaches don't take it to an extreme. They could if you really took it to an extreme. And some fans would say, well, why not? It's developmental. Really, let's just worry about development and nothing else. Hmm. If you really took it to an extreme, I always say you would see what I would call reverse platoons, meaning every time the opposition throws a left-handed pitcher, our manager would load up our lineup with left-handed hitters because that's the chance to get them some bats against the side that they're weakest against. Okay, it almost never works that way in the minor leagues with any organization. Left-handed pitcher, they're trying to they're trying to win the game. And so they're going to put their best hitters in the lineup. The exception would be every manager, as Todd Benzinger once told me, when he starts a season, I might have mentioned this to you at some point. He's going to have two lists, the list of the guys on the team and the list of the guys that are the priorities within the system. In other words, you don't pinch hit for them. You don't put them on the bench uh, unless they're really due a day off because they played too many days in a row. In other words, that kind of a guy is not going to be, if it's a left-hand hitting Michael Ciani right now, and the other team is throwing a lefty, Ciani's going to play. But if you've got your fourth and fifth outfielders, they're probably going to play a right-hand hitter against a left-hand pitcher because there's a desire to win the games and keep your team's culture positive. Try to win as many games you can, compete. You, you, you develop best when the players are really trying to compete, not when you're buried in last place, 12 games out of first, 15 games under 500. Uh, so you don't see managers typically take it to extreme. Now, getting back to what I was saying about difference from last year, Let's say you're in a 3-2 count. Let's say you've got the opposing team's number nine hitter at the plate, all right? Number nine hitter. And let's say he's hitting about 197. Let's say you're in the ninth inning, you're leading by a run, and you got the number nine hitter at the plate for the opposition, and there's a 3-2 count, and you've got their leadoff guy on deck who's hitting 320, Okay. So me as a fan and as a broadcaster, the first thing I'm going to say is, I don't care what you do here as long as you don't walk this guy, okay? Don't walk this guy. Number nine hitter, he's hitting 198. Make him earn his way on. And that is the way I would see it as, as a, a broadcaster and a fan. Now, again, take development to an extreme. There are people who would say, that is where I want to see him throw his breaking ball and learn to throw it for a strike in that situation. We saw a lot of that last year, and we saw a lot of walks, okay, a lot of walks. I've seen this year in those kinds of situations effort to be more aggressive and, and pitch like strategy-wise like a major leaguer would pitch, and that is make that 197 hitter earn his way on base, throw him a strike, and, and, and make him earn his way on base as he's – He's the tying run in the ninth inning with their best hitters coming up, make him earn his way on. That's the way I look at it. But again, there's a second side to this. That side may have as much validity to my side, which would be, hey, it's developmental. 
3-2 count. I want to see him learn to throw a breaking ball for a strike right there. Again, we saw a lot of that last year. Our club broke the club record for most walks per game. Daytona did the same. Um, our walks are much better this year. Um, you could also make a case maybe, hey, you're going to have fewer walks when you've got better pitchers to begin with because they're not going to be falling behind the count. Um, and that's that could be true also. So it's not all philosophical. It's also execution on the mound. So to answer your question, have we seen guys going with the philosophy of last season where velocity and strikeouts is really number one? I'm not ready to really give you an answer. And, and I don't I wouldn't want to unless I was really competent. I was correct because I don't want someone coming back to me and saying you're you're, you're giving the fans up in there. It's not true. I, I want them to feel like I'm at least accurate enough with what I've seen to to be able to back up what I say. And, and I'm not quite ready yet. No, and, and and I totally get it, too, because that is a interesting discussion, whether you're talking about social media or, or even just at the bar when you're watching the game is, you know, what's the difference in the minor leagues of, you know, playing to develop and playing to win? And there is a school of uh, Reds fans that are just like, no, they're there to develop. I don't care about the win-loss record. Yeah. But I think that I'm somewhere in between because I think that if you're getting to the major leagues, but you've never experienced that success, you've always been mired in some sort of losing atmosphere, I think that there's a little bit of an intangible there that you're missing. And, and so that it makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree. And that count, I'm like, no, nah, you throw your fastball at that 197 header and he's probably going to pop it up or he's going to dribble it right to you and you can just toss it to the first baseman and get out of here. There are a lot of the, the, the bigger fans, the harder core fans that you see on like some of the message boards that would say, why would you ever give up an intentional walk in the minor leagues? Yeah. And, 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 and I would say you just really don't quite understand how it works because once the game starts, you're, you're trying to win the game. Is, is, was it Herm Edwards or no? It was. Uh, <laughs> yes, Herm Edwards. Said? You play to yep. win the game. And, and that's what competitors do out there. That's how you get a guy to give you that extra 1% when the game's truly on the line. It, it's not an instructional league game. It's not a practice game. You've got, especially here in Dayton, 8,000 fans in the stands. And they're going to give you the ovation you'll remember for years if you come through with a big play in a key situation. And so guys don't want to let everyone down. And so you play to win the game. And um, I wish that was my original quote, but it's not. But it still applies. Um, <laughs> in the minor leagues, there are certain bended uh, philosophical policies. Like I said, there's certain guys that are never going to get pinch hit for no matter what kind of slump they might be in. Um, and there's certain guys that if we get rained out three days in a row, that starting pitcher is never going to get skipped over because they want him to get all of his innings in. On our staff right now, we've, we've got a whole team of aces. so. Um, that's not a problem for us, but there have been years in the past where you clearly had a, a Hunter Green who, you know, the investment in him, not just monetarily, but draft pick wise, you know, how often are you going to get the second pick in the draft? 
So right. you better make sure that that guy makes it big. Um, and you hope you don't get the second pick of the draft hardly ever, right? <laughs> right. Hopefully that's a very rare occasion. That was yeah. something that I, I read. Um, I think it was Buster Olney was talking about. They're just like, well, the Reds are probably tanking for the first pick, but there's a lottery pick this year. And it's just like, I don't think they know. Uh, that's not the plan. That's not the plan. Um, but no, you don't, you don't want to aim for the second pick. You really don't. And I, but I agree with you. I, I think that that is important to note too. Like these aren't just bona fide practices against other teams from you know, other cities that are coming in for a bona fide practice too. They're trying to win the game. That's, that's what you're doing at every level of competition. Matt McLean is missing one thing from his game that makes him ready for the major leagues right now. And Michael Ciani is turning into the center fielder that the Reds hoped he'd be when they drafted him. When it comes to your next bet, don't hope. No. With Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, the Major League Baseball season rolls along, you've got UFC fights and boxing, and even next season's NFL futures. Lots of futures to get into right now over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more, including your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. And you can follow the show. There's no F's there at Locked On Reds. Also, make sure you're subscribed right here on YouTube. All right, let's jump back in. Matt McClain, is he ready for the big leagues right now? And why Michael Ciani is blowing up in double A? I wanted to talk about a couple of other guys because... There's something, and a lot of Reds fans have noted this, especially with the struggles and, and with all of the injuries and things like that that have really kind of messed up the Major League roster. Uh, Matt McClain has really taken off. I mean, he took off last year whenever they brought him on board, and he just continued that this season. Do you see him making it to the Major Leagues with what he has shown this season? Good question. Um, possibly. now. You, you would not call him up unless you felt like he is very close to being up there to stay. So because once you start, once you call him up, you're starting his option clock. Um, so that means you can send him down three times. Um, so when, once, once you put him on the roster, if you want to send him down, you're using up an option per year. So um, that would that would be, I think, a discussion in Cincinnati. And again, I think he's got, if you look numbers only, and, and really, I obviously I haven't seen McLean this year. I saw him last year with Dayton. He's been with Chattanooga this year. If you look at the numbers and, and we, we include in our stat packet and I'll give a quick plug here, although there's no monetary benefit, but uh, <laughs> um, if you go to our digital press box on our website, which is DaytonDragons.com slash digital press box. We do include every day in our stat packet, the stats for all the Reds affiliates. 
So if you if you're curious on what a Dayton player is doing, you can go there. But you can also get Louisville, Chattanooga, Daytona. And I'm flipping through our stat packet right now, looking for the Chattanooga numbers on McLean. So the, 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 there's several positives. Um, OPS is 951. Obviously, for a guy that had about a month and a half of professional baseball experience before this year, to be in Double A, have a 951 OPS, that is exceptionally good. Um, already has hit nine home runs at the shortstop position. Again, exceptional. Um, He's eight for eight as a base dealer. Uh, he's got good speed. People underestimate his speed. He's not a blazing fast guy, but he's fast enough. He can steal a base or take an extra base when you need him to. Um, he's driven in 24 runs in uh, 34 games. Excellent number right there. Um, so the, ne- the negative would be 43 strikeouts in 117 at-bats. Okay, that's what I'm looking at. So that's what we got to improve on because as you move up, they will expose whatever the weakness is that's causing that. There's something that's causing that mm-hmm. and they'll find that and they'll expose it. So when you start seeing that number improve, that's when it's time to start thinking about moving them up because there's something there that's whether it's not an inability to lay off a slider out of the zone um, which is probably the most likely problem. Um, but I haven't seen him this year. He didn't have those kind of strikeout problems in Dayton last year. He is moving up to a good level of play with very little pro experience. The fact that he's more than held his own is a very positive thing. Uh, but there is an, a reason that he it, it still needs to be there. And that, w- and that directly would, would, would reflect that. And that is, they're finding something that is leading to a very high strikeout number, and that will get worse until he fixes the problem, and that's why he's still there. So that's why I always say, and I, I said this on your show last time, you can't go strictly on stats. The question has to be, is he able to do the things that the players at the next level will, 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 will improve on that he's not seeing at his current level? So you could beat up on weak pitching, just pound weak pitching. But when you see guys that can do what AAA guys can do, what do you do that? What do you do against those guys? That's more indicative of knowing than just looking at the raw numbers because you're, you're, you're building up those stats against a lot of guys that are never going to go any higher. So what does he do against guys that are, are on the same level as he is in terms of being a prospect? So I think McLean again. Don't get in too much of a hurry. Um, let him let him learn what he needs to learn, and um, he will be. Um, now the the question is going to be, and here's the other one. I can't give you anything on because we haven't seen how how he's played defensively at shortstop this year, other than the number of errors, which tells you very little. And uh, he has. Three errors. That's not very many errors. So he's he's made the plays that he's that 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 he has had a chance to make. We don't know if he's made spectacular plays that would not have been errors if he hadn't made the play. That's the that's the thing about a shortstop. I want to see him make not very many errors, but I also want to see him make a lot of plays that are are plays that win you games when you make them in the eighth and ninth innings. That get your pitchers out of jams. That would not have been an error if you hadn't made the play, but you made the play and got your team out of a jam and helped your team win a game. 
That's that's the difference between winning and losing. That's where stats on defense don't always tell the whole story. You, you, does he make the plays that win you games? So, you know, again, with McLean, shortstop, will he stay there? What we saw last year, there was no reason to think he couldn't stay there. Mm-hmm. But as he moves up, you know, there will be a couple of things that factor in. How does he show at that position? And also, you know, with the, you look at like Sinzel, they, they moved him to a new position, not because he didn't play third base well, or India is another good example. Those guys played third base just fine, but there was a need at another position and they moved them there. So that's the same thing potentially could happen with McLean. Um, but that's, that's somewhere down the road. Yeah, my math on 43 and 117 means that he strikes out just under 37% of the time, or at least that's what my phone calculator just told me, Um, because I don't do that well in math. But (laughs) I'm looking forward to the uh, whenever he gets up to the major leagues and watching him play. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of sensey shirts that like cross over Die Hard and and Matt McClain and stuff like that. I think that's going to be a big thing there. I wanted to ask you, when you're looking at – the rest of the Reds system. Who is the first player that is striking you? Who's like the player that you're looking for? Like, Ooh, I wonder how this guy's been doing here lately, because it seems like there's a lot of interesting dudes throughout this. Season. We've seen some great performances from guys who are outside the top 25, but who is the guy that stands out to you that you're like, I want to know how he did. If you, if you discount the guys in our team, and I assume you are, um, the, the very first name that would fit the list of what you're describing is Michael Ciani, because Michael Ciani is a gold glove quality center fielder who was a high draft pick. And really, he went in the fourth round, but there was a little maneuvering there. Once he got past the first round, it was going to take probably close to first round money for him to sign. And the Reds did some things to keep their second and third round signing bonuses lower and they had more money to spend on Siani. So uh, there was a little maneuvering there. He really, to say he's a fourth-round pick is not fair. He's really a, a, a supplemental first-round type guy. Okay, so great defensive center fielder. Best in the system. Gold glove quality player. He hasn't hit much. Okay, now, Jeffrey, suddenly, guess what? Michael Siani has started hitting. Um, and so um, that is an eye-opener. I, I saw. Um, the farm director a couple of days ago, and that was the first name I brought up to him. And he said, yeah, he is starting to show the things that we expected and hoped to see. And he's hitting, you know, 280. He said four home runs. He's already stolen 14 bases. Um, this is a guy that this time last year was under 200. And um, so he moves up to double A and he's hitting 280 with power, a little power that would project over a season as a 20 homer guy. Um, not bad. Yeah. He's not going to be a 20 homer guy right now, but, (laughs) um, he's, he's a, he's got a lot of things that you like. Um, this is a guy sort of the, the, the intangibles, the sum of the parts, it all adds up to a lot of things that the fans would like. Now, here, here, here's a few things with Siani I'm going to give you. Extremely smart player. Um, very um, advanced in terms of instincts on the field when it comes to running the bases, understanding the game. Um, we ha- I'll give you, we had a play a couple of nights ago 
where I'll give you an example. And this separates, it doesn't show up in the stats at all. But again, that's where I say you can't find a lot of things in the stats. Okay. Right. We, we have a game. It's, it's the ninth inning. Okay. So we're up by two runs with two outs in the ninth inning. And there's runners on first and third. Okay. So the runner on first is the only guy that really matters along with the hitter. If he hits one out, we're behind, but the guy on first base is the tying run. So as an outfielder, the one thing I don't want to do is let a ball pass me and let that guy on first base score. Okay. So batter hits defense is playing deep so that they can't get the ball between the outfielders. Defense flying very deep. So taking away the extra base hit. So it's going to take two singles to beat us. Typical manager, good, smart way to align your defense in that situation. Okay. So tying run at first, two out. We're going to make him get two singles to tie the game. So the guy hits a shallow fly ball to center field. And the center fielder comes charging in. And instead of playing the ball on the bounce, and forcing them to give me two singles, he makes a diving try, doesn't get it, ball hits off his glove, rolls away, runner on first tie, uh, scores, we lose the game. Mm-hmm. Siani would not have done that. <laughs> he is a smart player. He knows the game. His instincts are good. He understands the score and the situation. Um, he's also... Very hard worker. I would describe him as what you'd call a winner. He was a guy that played on a lot of the um, the, the U- Team USA national team. So best high school players in the entire country. And he was one of their best players. He wasn't just on the team. He was like the straw that stirs the drink on those teams. So he's playing in like international competition, World Cup, Team USA, and he's their big guy. So this is a guy that hasn't come out of nowhere. He has been a star. So now all of a sudden you've got all these good things, great speed, off the charts defense, smart player, works hard, good character, hasn't hit, and all of a sudden he starts hitting. So that's a guy that to me has been the, the and, and we're sitting here on this date in, in mid-May, and so a lot of things can change. But as I talk to you today, that's a, that's one of the big stories in the red system is that Siani has not only gone to double A and hit better than he did in single A, which is good, but he's hit way better than he did in single A. So that that's a good thing. So that, that's to answer your question. That's the guy I would look at. And that's huge, too. I mean, you talk about a bona fide center field prospect coming up through the system because you, you can maybe make a case for a couple of guys moving to center field at one point. But if you've got a dude who that is his natural position and when he gets to the major leagues and he's hitting well and all that stuff, if he can continue this trend early on here in 2022, then you're changing a lot of different things about the Reds in a couple of years. And that's, that's exciting. I'm excited to see, hopefully he can continue that sort of development. That's uh, that's good news to hear. Well, I'll say one thing about, because I hear this comment from time to time, or I read read it, and I, I hear someone say, well, could he play X position? Could he play? 
And I hear that and I go, well, what do you mean? Could he play? I could play. I could, you could stick me out there. I could play. What does that mean? Could he play? Can Dilson Herrera move from second base to left field? Could he play left field? Yeah. You could stick him out there. He's not going to catch very many balls, uh, right. but he can play that, that, that there's a big difference between can he play and can he make the plays that will win you games? Um, yes. The play, the play I just talked about, number one, I said Siani would have played that ball in the bounce and forced them to deliver another hit to tie the game. But but the truth probably is he would have caught the ball to begin with. So <laughs> he, he he's just a little bit better outfielder. And 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 uh, but but again, the point I'm making is if he couldn't catch the ball, he understood the game situation. That's a smart player. So um uh so that's what you look for on a winning. You're trying, obviously, the goal is a championship team. So you don't want a bunch of guys on the field that you just say, well, can he play this position? You want guys that are going to make plays in the eighth and ninth innings of games that win you the game. I mean, when's the last time you saw a, a baseball game and you saw a guy in the eighth or ninth inning make a, a big defensive play and you that just saved the game? You know, oh, yeah. remember I, all those catches Jim Edmonds used to make against the Reds? Or uh, yeah. the, was it the, the Milwaukee center fielder? Um, was it Gomez, I think? They used yep. to make all those leaping catches and pull home runs back. You yeah, know, and speaking of Milwaukee, you, that catch that Urias made like a couple of uh, – I, I was at the game. Oh, yeah. It was that Tuesday night game. If he doesn't dive and completely lay out and just – stretch as far as he possibly can and make that catch a run scores and the Reds end up that huge rally in the night in the, in the eighth actually and tie the game, but he saves the game for the Brewers that you're right. That was absolutely game changing. No question about it. You look at great teams and especially middle of the diamond center field catcher, shortstop second base. You, you've got players that are athletic and are able to make big plays late well, all through the game really, but you know, a big play is just as big anytime you make it. But just make plays that get your pitcher out of an inning and not make plays that create bigger problems for your pitcher to get out of an inning and lead to four and five run innings for the opposition because you gave somebody a fourth or a fifth out in an inning that Major League Clubs are going to take advantage of. It's been the reality of the Reds fielding for a few years now, so hopefully here in the near future it's going to flip on its head and the Reds will have some good fielding. Tom, I appreciate you coming by and and uh, kind of looking at the minor leagues and stuff with us as we've got some exciting dudes coming up through this farm system that's going to change the course of this franchise that currently right now finally hits the 10-win plateau, so hopefully they'll get 11 uh, here as we're recording here on Wednesday. Hopefully they'll get 11 tonight at Cleveland and split the Ohio Cup. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I appreciate you having me. Um, I'm, I'm real excited, um, Jeffrey, to uh, – we've got a couple of guys that are just starting to come along, I think. Um, Reese Hines, the last week, has really started to show some things. So we maybe next time we'll have some good things to talk about. His batting average is still low, but – the last week or so, we're starting to see um, the tools and the competition level. So maybe next time with guys like Reese Hines or Alan Serta, um, those are guys we can talk about next time.
Well, thank you to Tom Nichols. That was an awesome chat. Always love having him on. We'll have him on again next month. And kind of like we said, we'll talk about re-signs and see where his development is because I really like re-signs. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him blossom into the player that we hope he can be for the Reds of the Major League level. Like he said, that power, phenomenal. Let's see what we get coming up next time around. We'll have Tom on here in a couple of weeks. But that's going to wrap us up for this edition of Locked On Reds. Coming up on the next podcast, we wrap up the Ohio Cup and look to the return of Joseph Daniel Botto. That's right, is coming. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen. Now make Locked On MLB your second listen. Sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both present and past. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. The Reds are finishing up the Ohio Cup, and while it looks like their best days are still a year or two ahead of them, we'll keep you covered every single day. Right here on Locked On Reds, where we're Locked On Reds every single day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.